You're listening to the New Century Multiverse. Uncivil Outlaw. Chapter 17. The Rift Upon the Mountain. As Yagana was poking through her cupboards, Abigail still scowling, silently signed to me around the room of horrors behind us then pointed to the saucepans resting upon the stove, mimed eating, and finally slumped into a flamboyant death. I nodded. Yagana, do you mind if I cook? I called. She rose and gazed at me. Do as you will. She said with a shrug of those skeletal shoulders, then pointed about the kitchen. Meat is there. Fat Fat is is there. Herbs are there. Back when we were on Steamheart, there was no appointed chef for the group, so we began the journey by taking turns. After a time, it became clear who were the more skilled among us at creating dishes that everyone enjoyed. Jeremy first, then Butler, then Annie, then myself. Abigail was middling and tended to burn things, and Raven created only gastronomic disaster. Worst of all was Harry, who, when assembling the recipes, would fall into a spell so often It would take us hours to get to grub being up, if it ever got made at all. She required so much prompting and assistance from at least one of us that we ended up excusing her on account of the hard days of piloting. But the end result was that I became a little bit better of a cook, and now I set to work pan-frying pieces of quail, scrutinizing every ingredient, adding only from the seasonings I could ascertain entirely accurately. After half an hour, I set three plates down and took a seat next to my wary companion. Around this table of ash, we picked at the bird. It was juicy and tender, and the first bite reminded both of us of the absence our hunger constituted. After a time, Abigail put down her fork and looked at me expectantly. All right. I've eaten. I think I can trust my responses. Why... Do you believe what is the answer, James? I really would like to know. Her expression was dangerous, her body primed for counterpoint, so I chose my words very carefully. I would like to state, for the record, that I never once lied to you. You assumed I was a coward and that I didn't have the courage of my convictions, but, and this is so important for me to make clear, I am not now siding with white over you. I have always believed in the philosophy he is motivated by, namely, that the safety, security, and continued existence of the many far, far outweighs the personal liberties and preferences of the few. I intervened at the mouth of the forest outside Winchester to prevent Lee and White from overcoming and possibly killing you. Then I stayed by your side from that moment to this in order to prevent you from doing anything irrational. And what you're proposing right now is irrational. To hide this vital tool, potentially intended for maintaining the integrity of the land we all live upon. It's dangerous and selfish and ruled by emotion, not logic. I am not being selfish. She shot back through gritted teeth. I'm trying to find the two people who can maybe give us some answers and perspective. Which is, by the way, the opposite of Watt's game. He doesn't want answers just falling in line, and he doesn't want to know what all this magic shit is for. He only wants to shut it down. 
He may seem like he has an overview, but in the grand scheme of things, this is so much bigger than America. Meanwhile, if we spend years failing to organize this chaos, then it won't matter what the grand cosmic perspective is, because we'll all be dead. Power, like the kind white wields, needs checks and balances. The exact same can be said of what's in our heads. You could could give give it it to me. me. No! This was enough to snap Abigail's attention to something new. After all this talk, I'm not comfortable letting the starlight out. Not where it can get lost or stolen. You gonna? With all your mysterioso knowledge, do you happen to know where we might find a woman with two eyes like ours? It's a big country. We've got pursuers on our tail, and we're running out of time on this hunt. Yagana sucked thoughtfully on a quail's leg bone. Such information would require require a payment. Which Which of you would like to offer it up? What does it entail? Your heart will ache for a time. But then I'll get better, right? It will not be entirely ruinous, but it will be pain all the same. I don't understand how that's beneficial to you. I get the peace of mind get the peace of you mind would have had. All right. I'll pay. I was going to... I don't feel things as intensely as you do. It makes more logical sense for this to be me. Before she could protest further, I held out my hand for Yagana to shake and seal the deal. The feminine revenant across the table from me tilted my hand with a touch and slowly, gently stroked two rough fingertips across my palm. I felt a sudden beat of pressure inside my chest. It subsided, but did not depart. It is done. She whispered before placing both of her hands upon the table. To the far west, at the edge of the world, there stands a tall spire stretching stretching into the sky. It is not of this earth, yet it is home to those who are dead and those still living. Edge of the world, muttered Abigail, her speech slightly slurring as the room became hazy. California? I ventured. Yagana nodded. Seek the peninsula where the Yerba Buena The Yerba Buena Herb. At this, my mind went back to the books I had poured through in Catherine's library at Weirwood. Spanish settlers, a mission, a place named for a herb, the plant, Clinopodium douglasii, fragrance similar to spearmint, a town seized during the Mexican-American War in 1846, San Francisco. Yes, there you shall find your journey's end, and everything you have sought. Fantastic. Abigail sighed. So we just head to the west coast and look for something like that? But beware, there you shall find your journey's beginning, and everything you sought to escape. What? Growled my companion. Then a mystified look came to her features. Do you know if we make it? Is it our destiny? She spat this last word with a drunken contempt. At this, Yagana peered at her through the veil, 
and I could see hungry eyes shining back there. You may not reach that place ever. The witch croaked. What is that supposed to mean? Is there destiny or God or a higher power or isn't there? Why do I... Abigail paused, checked herself and slowly turned to me. James, are you feeling okay? She asked, trembling. I could not answer her question. I did not wish to lie or deflect or distract any longer. Maybe you should rest. We're very tired and Abigail was inspecting her plate closely. She licked a smear of gravy. The room is spinning and closing in. And there's a a bitter aftertaste on my tongue. Did one of you drug me? She slumped sideways in the chair and her head jerked sharply, keeping her upright. I reached out to steady my friend as she reeled violently back from the table, tipping over her chair and staring at me. Unfathomable betrayal in her eye. I stood as well, waiting for her to punch me in the face. Instead, she stormed out of the dining room, out of the front door, and down the steps, only to let out a gasp of surprise. The landscape we had been on had changed. The house had gotten to its feet and moved to a new location, and we now stood on a grassy cliff beside an immense, rushing waterfall. It tumbled down so far I could barely see the river at the bottom, below the mist, though a rainbow was visible within. The wind blew through the both of us as I ran to catch up with Abigail, who was stalking over the long, wavering grass. I have seen you take on board uncomfortable truths many times. Please, listen to reason now. After all we've been through together, I cannot believe you would do this to me. I looked back to the horizon, where, in the dying light, we could just make out the silhouette of Thundercloud creeping steadily toward the house it had been tracking. He will never stop hunting you. We have this one chance to rid your body of his sole motive for doing so, to return it to him and leave you alive. Please, Abigail, I am begging you to surrender this power. You think you're basing all your decisions on logic? She shot back, a strange timbre in her voice. That all of his are just as... Fucking intellectually astute, but I've started to believe there's no such decision that can be made. There's emotion in everything we choose to do. A pair of us stood upon the heights, buffeted by the air. I will admit that I am scared shitless by the chaos in all of this. So much has happened by accident. So much has been ruined when left unattended. We need a firm Steady hand to hold things together. And after everything he's done, you still think that's why? He may not have the benevolence of Thomas and Sarah, but I do genuinely believe he can suffice in their absence. He has his sights set on the evils of the world, and if he succeeds in just half of his goals, then a measure of balance and peace may be possible. Without him? I don't know. Does this really feel right to you, James? She asked quietly. A tear crawled down her cheek. 
I thought hard. Emotionally speaking, it feels wrong. But intellectually, I know it would be madness to just leave things to chance. I'm not suggesting we just leave things to chance. You're twisting my words, my intentions. The reason I'm crying now is that I really like being with you and I don't want us to part like this. Her stance wobbled and she stepped away from the cliffside a few feet, catching her breath. My heart leapt as she stumbled so close to the edge. And as I started to move to catch her, she stepped back even further. We have just minutes to talk Yagana into taking that thing out without harming you. Abigail, will you come and do this with me? She shook her head. So I pulled out my derringer. I've got my shield. You won't punch through that with your titchy gun. Save your bullets. Do you think that there is even the slightest chance I would try to kill my best friend. I owe you my life several times over, Abigail. And now it seems it's time to pay up. I placed the short barrel to my temple. What the hell are you doing? I can't shoot you, and I wouldn't dream of it anyway. But if I die right here and now, you take my endowment. You get it all. But I'd also be blind. Correct. And you can't run if you can't see. Please step away from the edge so you don't fall. What makes you think White won't just have me killed and take the whole thing? Firstly, because your skill and abilities with the closing of doors mean you're already at least half trained in how to use the full endowment. That means you can bargain with him. Secondly, I need to show you how dedicated I am to this principle, Abigail. I want the world to be safe. If you get to be safe as a side benefit of that, then my life is worth spending. I really do not want to die so you can prevent me from doing so by just saying the word and stopping the chase. Accept your role in all this. Close the rest of the doors. Assist with the reunification. Just stop fighting sound judgment and help people. If you do this, if you throw your life away... Don't call it that. If you die for this belief, I will still run. Even blinded, I will know my course. And it is away from that man. She stared at me as I stood, gun held rigid to my head, still just waiting. The water around us roared as the zeppelin began its landing approach. I get why you drugged me. Only way you could penetrate my shield, right? That's correct. Did I get through? Will you come with me? She shook her head. I'll always try to save your life. But your choices are yours to make. This was it. I felt a surge of fear course through me. If I didn't do this now, I might never work up the nerve again. Was this right? Was this right? No! I squeezed the trigger hard, feeling it click under my finger as the world exploded around me. Strangely muffled. No! I took a breath, and Abigail stood before me, eyes wide with fright, panting with exertion, arm extended, hand open. 
ears were ringing, and I realized the tap on my boot had been the bullet falling from head height. She had somehow thrown her shield up in between barrel and skull to protect me. I shuddered, and my knees buckled at what had almost happened. She straightened up and wiped away the tears. I loved you so much, she said, then slowly pitched backwards off the edge of the waterfall, disappearing from view. My heart leapt and broke at the same time, and I lunged forward to catch her seconds too late. I looked down and saw Abigail tumble towards the submerged rocks below. A black streak shot from its perch and intercepted her in midair, and I beheld the winged form of the nag, bearing her up and away. She struggled to sit up in the saddle and looked back at me from far off as I stood alone, then disappeared into the mist of the valley. I breathed. The sound was isolated, deafening. Presence drew up behind me. Yagana curled long fingers over my shoulder and leaned her head in next to mine, her frame clutching at me like the certainty of the Reaper. You are very clever. You are very clever. And very stupid. And very stupid. She whispered. Turning, I saw she had lifted her veil, and I expected something like the face of a corpse to be just inches from mine. But Yagana was fair and young, with tender lips, blackened with a smear of soot. Her dark hair framed this pale face in a cascade of jet tendrils. I met her eyes and shrank within. They were intense and predatory, occupying my mind and soul like two honeyed lamps searching through what I held secret. A tattoo of what I thought at first was a vine slowly glided up her pallid cheek, through her left eye and onward up her forehead. I later realized in a nightmare it was not a vine, but the skeleton of a snake. Her voice echoed in my mind, turning aside all my defenses. I accept your trade. I accept your trade. This is yours now. To do what thou wilt with. I closed my eyelids to keep this invasion out, and as I held my breath she retreated mercifully. When I opened them again, I found I was cradling in both hands the little jar with the silverish cyan light inside. It was then that I realized I had left the orb on Yagana's table. I did not see her house depart, but after a time, White made his approach across the tall, blowing grass of the baleful clifftop. I was, by this point, a wreck of shame.
You have been listening to episode 17 of Uncivil Outlaw, The Rift Upon the Mountain. Written, edited, and directed by Alexander Shaw. Captain Abigail Gray, performed by Sharon Shaw. Dr. James Penrose, performed by Alex Shaw. And Yagana, performed by Theo Lee and Sharon Shaw. Skies, composed and performed by Ross Bugden. Dragon and Toast, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Many soundscapes, including Amaranth and Ghost Town by Tabletop Audio. And many, many thanks to all who bought New Century audiobooks from Bandcamp over the summer months. Every single penny paid to me from those sales has now been donated to Black Minds Matter and the Autistic Women and Non-Binary Network's Autistic People of Color Fund. So your dollars have gone into easing some of the pain and anxiety of this horrendous year upon some of those most vulnerable to the unfair system. Thank you. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon. Our top tier $15 sponsors get a shout out every episode. So many thanks to Joel Robinson, Finbar Nicole, Abel Savard, Michael Hasco, Trey Contreras, Matthew Webb, Angus Lee, Kevin Bay, Daniel Salguero, Connor Kennedy, Johan Clayson, Joe Gesiga, Tim Rosensky, Christopher Wolfe, Matthew A. Siebert, Kat Esman, Evan Jankowski, Sarah Montgomery, Toby Junkius, Dave Hickman, Tom Painter, Dan Hepner, Marty Huey, Mark Luksh, Brian Novak, Frankie Punzi, Aaron Lecluse, Lorraine Chisholm, Timothy Green, Cassandra Newman, Duran Barnett, Benjamin, Joseph Gluck, Greg Downing, Kieran Dashler, Dan Mayer, Jameis Enright, David Sheely, Chris Finnick, and Joe Crowe.